I know I've said this before, but we got a good one today. Today is all things scaling. So even no when we're shirt, unturned. When we're scaling is cool oh. shirt. So the Man. <laughs> I came prepared, boss. I came prepared. Oh, I wish I would have brought my stick. I got one of those stickers that says uh, scaling is not a crime. It's I haven't done it in my garage gym. I wish I would have dug that out. The goal for this is I would love somebody to be able to watch this video, listen to the audio version, and basically just be set. Walk away with a great knowledge base to start tinkering and to feel confident to modify, I'm going to go ahead and say darn near any workout that crosses their path because once you understand the big nuts and bolts, you don't have to learn how to scale every single different movement and have that on a cheat sheet. You just need to learn the why behind it and that's going to be the goal for the show. Yeah, and I also think it's important to to recognize that there's going to be lots of different approaches to scaling and even within an individual, there's going to be really good approaches that are very different on different days. And it's not to say that there's this one path through scaling all the way up to, you know, an as prescribed load or, or something that's beyond what you can currently do. Lots of ways to skin that cat. And that doesn't mean that there is a predetermined path that has to be followed to success. Yes, for sure. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I have a little way that I want to go. But, but that is so true. There's more than one way to get there because I'll Every now and then, let's say that a workout has pull-ups and somebody's going to do ring rows instead of that. And somebody goes, well, why not jumping pull-ups? It's like, well, I didn't say that jumping pull-ups were bad. Or, why, yeah. not a, why not a band? <laughs> I didn't say using a band was bad. There's, there's a whole bunch of options. And as long as you're accomplishing mm -hmm. what you need to be walking towards, you are good to go. So we're going to get it. We're going to get there. Yeah. So, and big picture. I mean, you're going to have a lot of workouts between now and when you, uh, you know, right. can't work out anymore. Um, it's going to be a bunch of them. So there's plenty of time to explore all these different options. Uh, exactly like you said, the binary thinking of because I chose one, it means I can't do the others. <laughs> Throw that out of your, your brain. That's not useful. So let's start off with if somebody is just finding CrossFit, finding functional movements, finding this wonderful lifestyle, and they're like scaling. What is that? Like a, a lizard has scales. What's scaling? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, scale, you know, when you tell people about scaling, what is, what is scaling? It's a great question. I, I like to actually start at what is like a prescribed load, mm. because I think that is something people get way too hung up on, um, especially the deeper I am in the game. It's, it's easy in the beginning to look at what's written on the board or what workout you find online or whatever and say, well, that's the workout. And if I don't do it that way, I'm somehow shortchanging oh, right. not only my experience in the moment, but my progression long-term. And, and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, those RX loads or movements, really, they just represent a shorthand for a most, most, most situation. For most athletes that are mostly fit most of the time, mm -hmm. that's going to be the, the combination that whoever programmed that workout is going to get what they expected out of the workout. But it's not ever meant to apply across the board. So that's the first step is just recognizing that, hey, just because it's up there doesn't mean I'm tied to it. What I am tied to is trying to figure out where I am today and trying to take myself just a little bit beyond that. Not, not a whole football field away from that, right. but just a little bit beyond that. And so scaling is the mechanism that allows me to translate what it is that's in this person's mind who programmed the workout and 
break that down to a point where it puts me just outside of my comfort zone enough that I get a really good training effect from it. That's it. It's just matching those two things up. The original intent of the workout and where I am today. That's it. It's just matching them up. And to use one of the most infamous and notorious and well-known workouts in CrossFit, <clears throat> I'm already deviating from the plan that I, you know, the heck with the plan. Okay, we're just, just going to chat for a while, right? No plan survives contact with the enemy. Okay, here we go. Uh, I know. was promised to walk, Pat. I was promised to walk through this so step by step. So like, like to, to piggyback what you're saying, the most, 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 if the workout of the day is Fran, 21, 15, 9 thrusters and pull-ups, for most people... It's a short and sharp workout, relatively short time domain, higher intensity. Uh, it's, you know, a below parallel drive to overhead paired with a gymnastics movement. And so if you can't do the rep range of the loading, you're scaling in keeping with the most, most, most is you would like to find something that gets you below parallel, gets you overhead, has a nice gymnastics pull in there and isn't an overly long workout. Like that's Yep. A very simplified encapsulation of what Fran is, and it might look a little bit different, but that's what we say a big part of scaling is is preserving the stimulus. You know, trying to, like right. you said, you figure out what did the programmer have in mind that day? Can you do it? Great. If not, okay, take a step back and you're just massaging it to meet you wherever you are on your fitness journey. That That is literally it. And and you mentioned prescribed, which is certainly is useful to, to identify what that term means. And prescribed, you know, if you go to the pharmacy or something like that, it's written as RX. It's your prescription, <laughs> right? And, and you'll see RX after many workouts or loadings or whatnot. And while it does mean prescribed, in keeping with what you said a second ago about most, 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 I would say RX can also just mean recommended exercise. That's what it means. Yep. You know, it's it's not that you have to do this rigid structure. And if you deviate from the rigid structure, sorry, you wasted your time in the gym. This is the recommended exercise for most people, most of the time, etc. And now we're just going to take a look at you as an individual because you are a bright, shining, unique star, right? And what you can do and can't do is different than everybody else. So we're just going to look at you and make this fit your abilities, your capacities, yeah. your your technique level and all that good stuff. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to recognize, and maybe we can expand on this on a future episode about programming, but when somebody sits down to program, they can't do it in a vacuum. And so they will project an image of a prototypical athlete that they have in mind mm -hmm. and then program for that athlete. And most of the time, that athlete that they're kind of projecting out to program for is somebody who's on the very kind of higher end. They're pretty darn fit. good. Yeah. They're not going to program to, um, you know, the beginner every single time, unless that is specifically what they're writing for, for the fact that it is easier to take this ideal and then start to whittle it down and, and figure out how it can apply to other people than it is to go the other way. It's, it's pretty difficult to come up with a workout that is really rudimentary and then try to scale that up. But for most people, as they develop the skill, it makes a lot more sense to have that high watermark and then I can start to reduce and simplify as needed. So that's what so scaling kind of is. There. Yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's not a bad word. It's not a crime. It's cool. It's intelligent. It's let, necessary. Let me give you another thing there, yeah. Pat, not to step on you there, but 
What I think is interesting too, put on my old man Bosman hat here, talking about CrossFit culture from 15 years ago versus today, is that in the earlier days, this weight of like an RX workout was, in my opinion, way less than it is in some places today. Oh, I agree. I remember in the, in the early coaching days when I was at San Francisco CrossFit, it was rare that we had uh, anything other than just like a weight on the board. And it was like a suggestion, but the coaches there, myself included, we'd have a group of five or 10 people or however many it was. And we knew them all by name. We knew their, their basic level of ability. And so let's say it was 135 on the board. When it was time to go get your weights and set up for the workout, that coach would just be delegating to an individual what they should be doing. And there was no second thought about it. It was like, okay, right. Pat, you're doing 95. Boz, you're going to grab 115. Kelly, you're doing 135. And it was just, okay, great coach. Sounds good. And there was no second thought to it. Just because there was one number on the board, it didn't mean anything else to anyone else because their workout was going to be best with what the coach recommended. So culturally, I think it's important that mm -hmm. if you have other people that you're responsible for, that you make sure that that is understood, that this weight of what's on the board, it's kind of, it's not that it's meaningless, but it it's certainly isn't the most important factor. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, it guides the discussion. Again, if you're, if you're picturing this, um, athlete that we're programming for right that whatever the workout is and the loading and the rep range gives you an idea that ah today should be you know a, a lighter day that we're able to keep moving oh i can see by what's on the board today is quite intentionally a bit on the heavier side you know it's going to take us yep. a bit to go through this we're going to have to break it up and then you just whatever is appropriate for each individual given that general stimulus that's where that wonderful coach comes in or the whole point of this episode, if you find yourself in a place that you don't have that coach with 10 years experience that can just snap their fingers and go, this is exactly what you should do. You can develop that knowledge by yourself in your garage, de deployed overseas in the military. I don't care where you are. You're going to be able to do it. It will be a little bit of a learning curve, but you, you can get there. So hopefully this episode helps you a bit. And a question, although obvious, might be, why even scale in the first place? Like, what's the point of scaling? And I would say yeah. that it largely comes down to a conversation we've spoken about before, which is mechanics, consistency, and intensity is, is definitely looped in there. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing there is to make sure that you've got not only the requisite technique to be able to pull some of these movements off. I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on there. But then you start to complicate that with, can you do it under fatigue? Can you do it when you have to have a couple of other skills thrown in the mix back to back to back? So that right. compounds really quickly, especially if you're still new to some of these techniques. It's going to be in your best interest to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. So I think that's a huge factor. Number one is, okay, am I putting this together in a way that I can continue to get good reps under my belt as the workout is going through? So yeah, that's a, that's a really big one. And I think it's also important as well, and maybe I'm making some assumptions about how people think, but I, I think after so many years and so many conversations that I feel pretty confident saying this, is I think some people feel like scaling, it isn't going to do the trick for fitness, right? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, just this, it's just this thing I have to do on the side until I'm quote unquote good enough 
to do the real workout. And then the real workout, that's what's going to get me fit. And I think if I could break people free of that misconception in my mind, I think a lot of athletes would be far better off, quite frankly, because you're not going to be shortchanged in the fitness realm wherever you are on the scaling path, period. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's a huge argument to be made that you'll progress more completely by scaling appropriately because now you've got something that's catered to your abilities more closely, which will allow you that next progression step instead of just hitting this brick wall and expecting you to try to figure out some way over top of it. So I think you're right on the money there. People forget that sometimes, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit, doing what you're supposed to, catering things a little bit more to where you are now, that's going to provide the path forward. And it happens faster than you think. Mm -hmm. You know, you take these little baby steps forward on a consistent basis. Sooner or later, you turn around and you're like, wow, I've gone a long way. But if you're constantly coming up against this brick wall of the workout's too hard, I can't do this, I can't do it with good technique, et cetera there's going to be a real limit to how far you can go. Right. And if you could scale, so you were talking about why you should scale in general, you know, maybe a a movement is just outside your capacity technique wise, but maybe you're just new to fitness. You've been out of the game for a really long time and your strength is quite low compared to your peers. You're your conditioning, your metabolic conditioning, your engine is low. You get tired and fatigued really quick. Your body weight ability, right? Your gymnastics capacity, that's low as well. Well, if if we're talking, once again, circling back to that well-known workout, Fran, if 95 pounds is just too darn heavy, let's say you have the range of motion to do a thruster, but it's just too darn heavy, it would be seven sets of three, which we're not looking for on Fran to get to 21. Mm -hmm. So you scale it down a little bit If it's an appropriate struggle, like you said, well, that's what causes increases in strength and muscle mass and gains is you appropriately stress the system, not too much, not too little. And that causes an adaptation and an improvement in that system, in that organism. So I think it's incorrect to think, well, I'm lowering the weight, so I'm not not progressing. If it's done appropriately for you, you will be building strength with with scaling workouts can't do pull-ups, you're doing ring rows, you're still pulling your body in some challenging manner. Mm-hmm. You're developing strength. And guess what? I guarantee you're breathing heavy during this experience. <laughs> and so you're also improving your metabolic conditioning at the same time. So all of these aspects, if we broke it down into three simple ones of weightlifting, metabolic conditioning, and gymnastics, that you may need to improve in the hopes of one day getting to that mystical, magical, prescribed workout you will be on the right path through scaling. It is, it's one of the most intelligent things that you could do, quite frankly. Yeah, I think- for sure. And that, well, that mentality, I think, is really useful even when you get to the point that you're no longer scaling that regularly. You know, as you get more advanced, it'll be less and less that you need to scale. I mean, everybody is at some point going to have to scale some workouts. I can mm-hmm. say that pretty much as confidently as I can. Um, and, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more later on, but yes. the attitude of, Hey, I want to be just pushed just outside, not so far that I'm totally beat down, not so far that I'm stopped in my tracks, 
But that attitude is going to be one of the most useful things to adopt in your training because it just carries over to the long term. Uh, so many people, I think, have the wrong idea. And, and culturally now in the CrossFit world, I think sometimes this happens. You see higher level athletes in the sport doing these absolutely grueling marathon workouts. Mm -hmm. And you assume that you need to be doing that same thing in order that, to see progress. That must be the new standard. That's right. Yeah. And what you fail to realize is you're probably looking at the decade of work capacity right. accumulation in one of those athletes, number one. And number two, they're, they're trying to develop a specific skill set that includes being able to handle that density of work that is probably not going to be useful for most of us, at least not <laughs> right. in the long term. One of the most important training lessons I think you can learn is that it's better to be just on the side of, I think I can do more than to be on the side of every day's a beatdown. Oh, uh, quite frankly, if we could just put that on repeat, if people walked away from the episode with almost nothing but that, I think that would be a home run because in that as well, scaling's wrapped up in there, you know, because you feel mm -hmm. like you might, I might've just held back just a little bit. I, you know, either because uh, I slowed down a bit or used it just a bit less loading or I kicked the reps down just, I mean, just a bit that you, you're still hungry and fired up and like just not beat down. I think if you yep. want to be doing this, not a month from now, like anybody can do something preposterously idiotic <laughs> and still be, you know, probably working out a month from now. But if I, I want to check back in with somebody a decade from now yep. and have them hear that they're feeling good. They've had a nice, gentle improvement and progression that is sustainable. They're not burnt out between their ears. Their joints don't feel like they've yeah. aged 75 years. Like I don't, that's not what I want to hear. So that that leaving a little bit in the tank, yeah. I, I think is, and we're not saying just, you know, mail in your workouts. That please no, don't read, please not. don't read that yeah. in, but but judiciously, uh, intelligently making decisions and, and appropriately challenging yourself. Yeah. I think is let me, let me riff on that yeah. one more. Please. I just think the psychological element of that too. If you play it out, like you're saying, over the long term, or even just like the short to medium term, let's say I'm, I'm working out next week, and on Monday I go into the gym and I get a good workout, but I'm like, you know what, I think I can do a little bit more. Great, I'm going to be stoked to get back in there on Tuesday and hit it hard. If I keep doing that and I'm, I keep that excitement of like, yeah, I can be doing more, and yeah, you know what, I can, I can get in there and give just a little bit more that's really positive. And I start to build this association with being in the gym. That's fun. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. I see progression, all of these good things. Whereas if I'm on the other end of that and I come home and I'm like, man, I just got throttled at the gym today. <laughs> God, I can't believe I got to wake up and do it again tomorrow. Over time, you start to develop this aversion to getting back in there. And all you can start to see is, geez, there's so much work to be done. And oh my God, I'm going to be so tired at the end of this process. And, and that can start to weigh on you. And ultimately, it's what burns a lot of people out and they wash out and they don't continue. And that's the worst thing that can happen. So anyway, when you throw your over. legs, when you, <laughs> when you throw your legs out of bed in the morning and everything hurts, you may want to go ahead and reassess what you got going <laughs> yeah, on. Exactly. It might be an indicator there. <laughs> but I got us off the rails there. That's, that's less scaling and more just, you know, mentality 101. But anyway, I digress. You know, it, it, we'll kind of get into how you scale here and we'll give a bunch of good useful crossfit examples and we'll talk about simple movements and complex moves but but getting back to how i want to make this so uh, 
approachable and not scary and not intimidating to let people know like you can figure this out and and it's not as complicated as you may have in your mind is most people if i give them just a couple non-crossfit examples scaling just leaps to the front of their mind like oh it makes Mm. sense you know because we were talking before the camera clicked on i remember back in my old pre-crossfit days when i was doing you know i had the encyclopedia of bodybuilding you know i can't remember if it's from schwarzenegger or joe weeder or whatnot indeed um you know i'd read that thing cover to cover i can't remember how many times but and you know i wanted to get to something where it was three sets of 10 body weight bench press you know if it weighed 185 and I was like, oof, I can't do three sets of 10 at 185 pounds. That's too much. Instinctively, since I, I know that it's too much, I just, I just started at a lower weight. And I, did a, a, I found right. a weight that I could do for three sets of 10. And when that became comfortable, I bumped up the weight a little bit. And over time, gently modifying the workout, I, I marched towards what was, quote unquote, the prescribed workout, if you will. This is stuff that I think yeah. people do all the time. They they know how to do for it, but sure. for some reason, when you see a a mixed modality workout with gymnastics and weightlifting, and it's for time, and I think people suddenly make it harder than it needs to be. But we're not we're not splitting atoms. It's the same thing that you've probably been doing frequently in your life with, with other things. If you're a runner or a lifter or whatever it happens to be, so yeah, absolutely. Yep. Keep so keep that in the back I, I of think- mind. Yeah, I think we should get into the nuts and bolts here of, okay, so we have a workout, it's on the board, it seems like it's a little bit out of reach right now. How do I, how do I take the first steps to modify this into something that is approachable? And I've got my quick hitter list. So do you want to start or you want me to start on this? If you've, if you've got a little something, let's roll with it. I'll, I'll play okay. off you. Okay, sounds good. So the first thing that I think you should approach when you've got something that's in front of you and you don't quite think you're up to it today, no problem. First thing to consider is the intensity. And so if you think about the objective elements that go into intensity, it's going to be things like how much weight, if there's weightlifting movements, how many reps am I going to be doing? How long is this workout? And then in that is kind of what is the total volume that I'll be experiencing? Mm -hmm. Those are the real nuts and bolts and the first dials that you can start to play with to make something that seems out of reach into something that is totally appropriate for the day. So that's step one. Evaluate the factors that go into the intensity of the workout and start to shift them around a little bit and see if you can find something that's a little bit more appropriate for where you're at. I'm with you on that. I got nothing on that. What's what's your? Uh, I've got some stuff to hit, but I might interrupt your flow. What's okay. your step two? No problem. All right, volley back. So step number two is okay. We've got the intensity figured out. We've got it dialed down to an appropriate level for the individual. Next thing we need to think about are the movements. And I think a lot of times people skip from, hey, here's a movement that I can't do right now. I'm just going to substitute for something totally unrelated. Mm-hmm that I can do. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that's a mistake. What you want to start thinking about is what is this movement trying to accomplish? And if I can't do it as it's written currently, can I do something similar that's within my wheelhouse? Right. And so maybe that's just breaking down a complex skill into two or three movements, or it's determining the basic function of a movement and trying to replicate that somewhere else. Yes. And so I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Like let's say we have a snatch in a workout with some other elements. Now, technique is just going to be a real challenge for for this individual on that day. 
okay, maybe the snatch becomes a snatch grip deadlift to a hang power snatch, and then maybe an overhead squat. And so that rep takes a little bit longer to do, and maybe the reps are, in total are, are much different than what is written, but they still experience all the key positions, and it's just in a way that's technically less demanding. And maybe that's too much. Maybe it just becomes an overhead squat, right? but it's but close, and it, and it hits on the key elements that are going to be critical to develop that snatch later on. And I would say, in case that's being missed by the listener at home, the key elements, which I think you're, you're hitting so well through this modification, through this scale, in the full snatch, which it sounds like you're talking about, the full snatch is if we just oversimplify it, it's a pull off of the ground, then you have an explosive hip opening that gets the barbell overhead, then the athlete passes yep. below parallel. So with the deadlift, okay, not maybe not, it's not as fast as a pull off the ground as the Olympic lift, but it's a pull off the ground. Then you're getting in still that nice explosive hip opening with that hang power snatch that you mentioned. Barbell winds up overhead, and now you add the overhead squat. We have now completed in general, when you took a step back and said, you know, we're trying to preserve the stimulus, right? And not just do something wildly different than what the intended workout was. You looked at what a snatch was, and then you broke it down into some elements that you could do where you are on your level of fitness. Mission accomplished. Absolutely fantastic. I'm 100% I'm with you on that. Yeah. And then so kind of bridging that a little further, once we have a movement that we know we can't do and it's going to be challenging to break it down further, can we find something that is, I, I hesitate to use substitution because it should be close enough that it's going to achieve the same basic function and same basic kind of output but it might not be a perfect match. And so a great example would be a handstand push-up. There's a mm -hmm. million ways to scale the handstand push-up, but if that's out of reach, I mean, it could be as simple as let's grab some dumbbells and try to match that same upper body independent control. That could be a great way to do it. Or it could be matching, all right, I've got a gymnastic skill that is going to be primarily driven by my upper body. Maybe I'll change this to something that's more approachable to me like a ring dip or a push-up. I still get a big upper body push. I'm still managing my own body weight. It's just in a way and in a plane that I can control and get some good reps out. So it's, again, it doesn't have to be a complete mirror of the skill. It just has to offer enough overlap that we're in the ballpark. Adrian, you're talking my language. I'll tell you what, <laughs> this is the life that I live. You know, I've been very <laughs> open and honest about this, that I have the shoulders of a 120 year old person that was in a car wreck that was almost fatal. I mean, it's just from, from terrible motorcycle wrecks and dumb stuff in the military. I've got, I've got okay days with my shoulders and then bad days. I don't have any good days. It's okay yeah. or it's bad. And so, you know, go ahead and search Instagram. You won't see me with huge weight overhead because it, it's just not in the cards for me, but I get in pressing, like you're saying, in a whole bunch of other directions. So, if based upon how I feel, let's say the workout of the day is DT, 155 deadlift. Hey, no problem. I'm good with that. 155 hang power clean. I'm not happy, but I'll do it. Uh, 155 yeah. push jerk, negative, not going to happen. Uh, and nothing overhead might happen depending upon how I feel that day. Okay, so my version of DT looks like I get the barbell loaded. I do my deads. I do my hang power cleans. I then drop the barbell, I walk over to my bench, I grab a set of dumbbells, I do some dumbbell bench press. Yes, it's not 
a explosive hip drive to get the weight overhead. I understand that. But if nothing overhead feels good that day, I'm still getting in pressing. I'm okay. I'm going to be great on planet Earth. Or maybe I get in some ring dips. Or maybe I just get in some push-ups. But I'm still getting in some sort of pressing. Doesn't look exactly like DT, but you guess what? Mission accomplished. Fitness was achieved. World keeps spinning. And we're all good. <laughs> but I think it can be really easy to think, well, I didn't do, it wasn't even overhead light. I mean, I did a totally different right. movement. I didn't even do a light push jerk. I did a bench. I didn't do DT. I, I missed it today. You didn't miss it. Trust me. I've been living this life for years. You did not miss it. As a matter of fact, making these decisions is why I think I'm still doing CrossFit now. It's been going on 16 mm -hmm. years instead of trying to force something that would have felt bad that day. And then uh, I get myself into a bad position. I tweak something and now I don't train for 10 days. And, and that happens every now and then. I, I would rather scale any single day of the week. It's, it's, a, it's not a bad word. It's a smart call. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of rounds me out to my last point here. So first point, take a look at the factors that influence intensity. That should be primarily where you're focused. Second, let's take a look at any movements that are a little bit out of reach and see if we can break them down into their pieces or find something similar enough that it's going to be good for where you're at. Mm -hmm. And then third, there are going to be circumstances where it's just not possible to do a movement that's included in the workout. Maybe there's an injury there, or maybe it's just, you know, you're so new that the technical proficiency just, it's not, it's not happening and it should sure. happen yet. Um, you know, there are circumstances like that. So in those cases, that's when I think you can start to dabble with this wholesale swap of something totally unrelated, or you can just omit it outright. I think that's something that people should give themselves more permission to do you know, you have a workout that's got three or four different elements in it. And mm -hmm. one of them sticks out like a sore thumb to you as, you know, there's no way you're going to be able to approach it. Okay. You know what? If you go through that exercise and you can't find a good solution, just cut it out of that. Do the workout without it. I'm sure it's still going to be a great effect. Right. And then circle back around to that a little bit later on, make a mental note. Maybe you start your session the next time you work out with some practice on that particular element. And that checks the box for getting that piece in there. It doesn't have to all happen on the same day, especially if we pull out and we start thinking about fitness as this series of steps, not just what happens today. Mm -hmm. And that was your third and final one? Yep, yep. So third what? and final is Good a total to substitution or omission if you have to, but that should be last on the list in my opinion. Yes, for sure. And just to go through a couple workouts or movements just so people can kind of in, you know, let's ground this in reality, give a couple examples. I mentioned this a second ago. I've got a couple ideas on scaling Fran, and I, tell me what you think about these, but Fran, I use that just because it's so well-known in CrossFit, 2159, thrusters and pull-ups, the prescribed loading, 95 pounds for men, 65 for women. Let's take a couple just real general sort of scenarios. Let's say that you have the pull-ups, uh, but the thruster is really challenging for you. This was my experience coming from the military. We did tons of pull-ups, but didn't do anything close to a thruster. But, but 45 pull-ups didn't scare me. Well, no worries. You have the pull-ups. You don't, don't have the thruster. Just go ahead and A, keep it 2159, and you could reduce the loading to 75 or 55. 
65 or 45 down to an empty bar, it, it does not matter. You could reduce the number of reps as well and make a slightly different workout, even though it wouldn't be quite as beautiful. So maybe it's 21.15.9 of the pull-ups, but the thrusters are now 15.12.9, and you knock that down a little bit. That you're totally authorized to do something like that and create your own kind of Frankenstein workout that maybe sticks with the 95 pounds because you could do that for some a fewer number of reps, or you lower the weight as well, or you do a combination. All of these things perfectly authorized, perfectly good to go. Let's say the opposite is true. You don't mind the thrusters, but you don't have the pull-ups. Again, mm. you can play with the repetitions, but you could just do, as we mentioned earlier in the show, you could do 21.59 of jumping pull-ups, of a band pull-up, of ring rows, of any, you could do a bent over row if you didn't have access to a pull-up bar at all. All of these things are getting you in some sort of upper body pulling, which as long as you make it, as we've said before, appropriately challenging, then you're on the right path. Because if you just choose a band that gives you so much help that it could shoot you into orbit, where you're not really, <laughs> you're not really stressing the system in an appropriate manner that will lead you to improve as an athlete. So you want to make it, yeah. like you said, push yourself out of your comfort zone just enough to get the adaptation out of it, uh, but without so much that, you know, if you understand what Fran is, you don't want to be standing around doing the pull-ups and sets of one and 40 minutes later, you're still doing Fran. You got in functional movements, good for you for getting in a workout, but you kind of missed the intended stimulus, you know, when you, when you roll yeah. back into that day. Uh, and I also think uh, with regards to Frankenstein workouts, there are some other ways you could, you could do Fran and I think you should feel authorized to do it. Maybe you can do the prescribed loading and you can do the pull-ups, but chunks of 21 and 15 are just, you're gonna break them up so much. Fran comes out to 45 thrusters and 45 pull-ups. Nothing saying that you can't make Fran that day nine rounds of five thrusters and five pull-ups. That's smaller chunks will keep you moving, will help keep the intensity up. And maybe that's a nice ratio that allows you to not have to scale the weight or the loading. And then you can slowly start to tick that up towards the 21.59. So again, if you understand what the point of scaling is, your options are darn near limitless when you can play with, like you mentioned, load, reps, intensity, potentially the movement, and then even chopping it up to different rounds and things like that, there's going to be a way for almost anyone to, to play if they understand what, what yeah. we got going on here. And on that, I think it's important to highlight that you should be taking a varied approach to right. how you scale workouts. If you get stuck in a rut and you, know, you start to equate a specific movement with a specific scale or substitution and that's all it ever becomes uh, you're missing the point of scaling I, I, I used to call that green band syndrome mm. because you'd have <laughs> people that were so accustomed to scaling pull-ups to their favorite green band yeah and anytime pull-up came on uh, up on the workout they weren't even listening to what came out of the coach's mouth next they are already heading in the direction of their <laughs> precious green band. And it's like, well, hold on, wait a second here. Scaling is your bridge across troubled yeah. waters. It is not an excuse for you to just sit on those shores and say, I'll never get across. 
That's not the intent here. The intent is, all right, let's figure out a way to get from A to B. And sometimes the best way to get from A to B is to explore the territory over and over and over with a different approach. It's really important. You know, we're talking about developing broad fitness. Take a broad approach to how you uh, scale. I'm going to shotgun you right now with something. You know, we're just okay. going to say that, okay, we're going to make pretend that a uh, you know, we we had a live caller, you know, called into the show, you know, <laughs> okay. just dated myself right there, you know, and they said, all right, look, Boz, you know what you're doing? I, I need help for today's workout. It's a multiple round workout. You know, it's five rounds. Each round is supposed to have 50 double unders. I don't have double unders. How should I scale that? Because that's double unders is a guarantee going to be in the top of someone's head. So what oh, yeah. pops into your mind as a as a worthwhile and valuable double under scale? Well, my first question is, can you do any? Or is this a skill that is okay, totally fair. eluding I'll, you for right we'll now? We'll say, yeah, I, I can do like, you know, I do two, then I have four misses, then I get three, yeah. then I have five misses. And I could do 50 double unders, but they would probably take me four minutes. Yeah, got it. Okay, so there's a few ways that I would approach this. If they're that kind of touch and go with the, the numbers, I would put a low number on that and say, all right, you owe 10 double unders, and then you're going to finish out the rest with singles. So maybe it's, you got to get 10 doubles and then a hundred singles nice. to just make up for that kind of effort that you would have to put in to, uh, to make it across the finish line with the rest of the doubles, something like that. Or another approach might be, okay, no problem. What you're going to do is every time you come back to the rope on this workout, you're going to do your best unbroken set, and then you're going to finish out with the remainder of singles. Nice. Something yes. like that. So yep. you get some exposure to the skill. It's not something that you're just avoiding altogether, but it's not going to stop you in your tracks and frustrate the rest of the workout yes. with that limitation. Yes. Want to keep the so person... That would be probably my approach to that. Keep the person happy between the ears. They could also... Yep. Uh, set a time domain, you know, so let's say yep. 50 double unders, you just say, Hey, you know what? I'm just pulling this one out for 90 seconds. You know, every time you grab the rope for 90 seconds, you're gonna look at the clock and you're going to give me as many honest double under attempts as you can in 90 seconds. I don't care if you get one double under or 49, you're going to, and then at yep. 90 seconds, put that rope down and move on to the next thing. And then, you know, you're kind exactly. of exactly Keeping yep. them because, yeah, you don't want them just to be there over and over. So that's great. Okay. <clears throat> One more thing that I think the the audience would enjoy because even somebody like yourself, you know, I talked about my scaling after years and years. As a, as long as you've been around and with the level of capacity that you have, there are still some things if they pop up, you're like, ooh, I'm going to go ahead and scale that one. I told you that, I told <laughs> you that yesterday... I did 120 GHD sit-ups in a workout and you were like, nope, nope, pu pump the brakes on that one. So <laughs> yep. even after all your years, if a movement like GHDs come up for you personally, what goes through your mind for scaling or modifying? Yeah, great question. The GHD is definitely a movement that I have to tread lightly with. You know, I have some old back injuries from gymnastics and early life and GHD sit-ups are one of those things that if I'm not careful, they can be letting me know about it in a negative way <laughs> in the next couple of days. So I really need to keep the volume in check. And what's really important, and I know this about myself just from having done so many over the years, is that I have to watch the reps that I do under fatigue. That's probably the most critical factor for me personally with that movement. So 
The first approach is, all right, how many am I expected to do in this workout? Let's take a look and make sure that number is reasonable. And I'll probably chop that mm -hmm. way down. I mean, we're talking in half at least most of the time. And then the second thing is how many in each set? Because I know about myself right. that a really big set, you know, 20, 30, 40 reps in a row, that's when I'm most going to be in a position that's not great for me. So I'm going to start to keep that set much shorter uh, so that I don't put myself in a position that's, that's vulnerable. So Smart. it'll still be a challenge. I'll figure out what that number is that's appropriate based on the other elements in the workout. But I'm going to make sure that I keep myself where I need to be. And I mentioned to you, so when I did it yesterday, it was four sets of 30 is what got me to yep. 120. And I, I told you what, what I might do every now and then if I'm, maybe I did something a couple of days ago and I'm still kind of feeling it in the midline. I'm like, ooh, four sets of 30, mm, not smart. I might do rounds one and three on the GHD and then rounds two and four, I might do his ab mat sit up. So I'm still yeah. doing something very similar, but it doesn't pack quite the same wallop, at least I know for me personally. And that's a smart decision. So again, there's so many ways to scale and modify yep. workouts. And as long as it meets your needs and to the best of your ability, preserves the stimulus, you're on the right path. What about 100%. if somebody asks you, can you scale wrong? Is there a wrong way to do it? Do you have a gut feeling on that? Because I certainly do. Oh, I mean, I think the answer is absolutely yes, because there's always a bad <laughs> way so to do too. things. But <laughs> I mean, come on, you got to have an opinion. But Yes, well, I was going to give a funny, a funny example, you know, based on what we said before is, yes, you can scale it and not so much that maybe you just made a slightly nuanced, novice mistake. I mean, if you just totally disregarded the stimulus and not because you couldn't do it, but because like you said, eh, it's supposed to be Fran, I understand, below parallel to overhead, short and sharp, high intensity, uh, weightlifting and gymnastics. Okay, gotcha. Ah. I'm, my my pull-ups are hit or miss, so I'm going to run a 10K. It's like, well, great, right. yeah. great that you, you totally did something. totally sidestepped the issue. Yeah. You're nowhere yeah. near the intended stimulus. You're still out exactly, moving your body yeah. on planet Earth, and for that, I applaud you. But I would say that it was a very bad scale, you know, compared to yeah, what the totally workout agree. of the day was. Yep, so. and, I, and I think that you can, um, within that, you know, as your skills improve around scaling, it's not to say that it's like bad, but sure. there's definitely ways that are less, less effective. Refined. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the extremes are that you either don't do enough and it's just kind of like this cursory pass of mm. something that ultimately is the same workout or you nerf it so much that it's just not really work. Anymore. <laughs> right. And I, I think that both of those extremes tend to get ironed out with experience. Yes. But you do want to be on the lookout for them. You know, I talked a good game earlier, how it's important to, you know, feel like you had just a little bit more to give. And that's true. But that shouldn't be mistaken for, I didn't work out really right. at all. I just kind of came in and went through the motions. No, that's not appropriate either. No, agreed. And I think that's a nice, we've given plenty of just good real world examples that'll get people's minds rolling. And uh, the only couple things that I'll kind of close on, see what you have to say is, you know, who does this apply to and how often should it be done? In my mind, almost anybody could benefit from scaling or modifying something. I, I don't care For where sure. you are in your fitness journey. There's so many things we yep. do in CrossFit that something will probably cross your path that needs a little bit of a massage whether you're a novice, intermediate, or an advanced athlete, 
And then I think you're not one or the other. You're not either a prescribed athlete or a quote-unquote scaled athlete. Because if I work out five times a week, I might scale Monday. Tuesday's fine as prescribed. Then I scale Wednesday. Friday's prescribed again. Like It oscillates back and forth. And it even may oscillate in the movement, like you said before, there might be four. Oh, yeah. There might be four movements. Three of them are fine, prescribed. Fourth one scaled or modified. Who cares? So, again, it's it's not a rigid construct that we're that yeah. we're laying out here. Absolutely, and you know, just to further beat this dead horse, I think that the mindset of scaling, you can almost discard it entirely. Because really what you're trying to do is just make whatever is on the board for the day most effective for you. That's all it is. And so that transcends, oh, I'm a particular skill level or experience level. None of that really matters. It's taking a look at what's on the menu and making that most effective for me today. That's it. That's all it is. Go to whoever it is you follow for programming. You look at the workout. You remove your ego, you look at the workout, you understand what the intent is, and then you say to yourself, what do I have to do, if anything, to make a smart decision for myself based upon the intended stimulus today? You execute that plan, mission accomplished, and good to go. You live to train another day. So, yeah. You you said it. That's it. All right. Uh, any parting thoughts or have we covered it? No, I think I, I think I'm good. That was that was great. I really feel like we uh, covered a lot of ground, so I'm happy with that. Yeah, hopefully people benefit from it. We've got some shows coming up. I don't want to let them out of the bag yet, but based upon user feedback. So as as we've said, and we say at the end of all of these, if you're listening in an audio format. Thank you, of course. But I encourage you to go to the BTWB YouTube channel, find this episode, and post a comment. What did you think? Do you agree on our scaling assessment? Do you disagree? Is there something we left out? Is there uh, a cool thing that we should know about? What have you learned? And we read those comments, and those comments help drive future content. And we've got a couple that we're storyboarding, shall we say, for the future that are are excellent suggestions and will be in the work. So even if we haven't got one yet, trust me, we, we, we see the comments and we appreciate them. So in closing... For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood. Thanks for your support, and we will see you next time.